Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Morning. Happy Sunday, everyone. How are you guys doing? All right, well, we're excited about this series. One of the reasons that I'm excited about a series on marriage and dating is there's so many good jokes on marriage and dating, and you know what that means. You're going to get a good one this morning. A couple is sitting, spending time together in their living room, sipping wine, and out of the blue, the wife looks and says, I love you. Husband looks at her and says, is that you talking or the wine? She looks at him and says, it's me, talking to the wine. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so I was thinking as we begin this series, have you ever had your heart want something so badly, so badly that it's all you can think about, you start obsessing on it. You, you, you even, if it's an object, you take it and, and, and put it as your screensaver on your phone. You're constantly Googling it. And that's how our family was this fall, coming into the fall, about what's called the teddy bear dog. Okay? It's a multi-poo puppy. And... In case you think, well, I'm sure that was just your wife and your kids, I have to confess, no, it was me too. I was smitten by this little, little puppy, and, and we wanted one so bad, but we made some mistakes in going about purchasing this dog. You see, uh, we didn't have healthy decision-making, and so the first mistake was this. We weren't patient. Anyone ever made a decision where you weren't patient. So we, we didn't wait and, and make sure we had the right dog. Second of all, we were cheap, okay? Never pays to be cheap in life. We waited, we, you know, we found the, the, the steal. And, and usually if something is too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Uh, oh, wait, wait, that didn't make sense. Um, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. There you go. And uh, lastly, we, uh, we weren't wise. We, we didn't research. We didn't make sure that, that there was a reputable breeder. We didn't make sure that the, the puppy had its papers. We didn't research the dog's health. But we did come home with this cute little puppy. Do you have the picture? Oh, oh my goodness. That is Joshua and Ginger. Uh, Ginger's the dog. Uh, didn't name my son Ginger. And... Uh, cutest dog ever brought it home and it was so cute and, and just this little ball of fluff until I held it and I thought this is really interesting it's just like a little skin and bones under the the fur and then within two days the dog was deathly ill and we found ourselves rushing it to the vet and twelve hundred dollars later from the vet bills we bring it home and we find out the dog has Giardia. So that's that waterborne sickness. They were like, how in the world could you get this? This is only from like weird mountain streams. Your multi-poo probably wasn't like some big adventurer. And, and then next, our older dog, our beloved Brady gets sick. And, and he's sick. And then our son gets sick. 
And we have to take our son to the doctor, and our son is found to have giardia, uh, worms, and a parasite. Okay, we felt awful as parents. We felt so stupid. How could we do this? And, and, and so soon our whole family is having to go on a parasite cleanse. It was like the Trojan horse had come into our house, right? It's, you know, we thought it was this beautiful gift, and all of a sudden it's just wreaking havoc and destruction. And in the end, the little dog died. Aww. Well, thank you for your compassion. Uh, it, was, it was really sad. And, and, and so it was, a, it was definitely a learning experience. And here's what we find is that so oftentimes when you make an unhealthy decision, you bring unhealth into your home, or you bring unhealth into your life. And unfortunately, that's what we find, that relationships can, can be so much like this, that we want something so badly in our heart that we jump in without being wise, without being patient, and, and we end up causing ourselves and others a lot of pain. And so that's why we want to do a series on dating and marriage because it's an area that God wants to bless us in, but we find it's an area that causes so much pain in so many people. We love talking about this topic of dating relationships and marriage, but we also realize that there's a lot of people in the room that don't get excited about this topic, and um, especially singles who are saying, no, not another sermon on that. And I just want to say to you that feel that way in the room, we are believing that you can thrive in this series as well, right. and that God has um, wonderful things for you during this series. So please come with a heart of expectancy because God wants to move. So why would we do a, a series, though? 80% of people will get married in their life, 80%. And some people say, well, marriage is dying off, and that's kind of a thing of the past. Do you know that when surveyed, and not just a church survey, a secular survey, the most comprehensive survey recently done, 90% of young people want to be married. And if you're not married currently, I want to tell you that this affects us all because you're in a church body where there's tons of marriages. And someday you'll most likely have children and they'll go to have relationships and marriage. So we want to know what God's word says about relationships, about dating, about sexuality, and about marriage. Because we want to build our lives on the foundation of his rock. Amen. <laughs> she thinks I'm good. <laughs> I do. Uh, so here's the great news. There's news. There's nothing wrong with you wanting a love relationship. In fact, your heart is working if you desire that. And, um, and we encourage that in this body. Uh, but the Bible is very clear about relationships. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do in life is an overflow of what's in your heart. And so we want to be a people that are guarding our hearts because we want to give people health, okay? And typically we guard over what we value and what we care about in life. And we want to be a people that care about our hearts and we want our hearts to be given to God. And so and we want to have healthy relationships in this church. So if we're going to have healthy relationships, we've got to have a healthy heart, and we have to guard over our heart. 
So oftentimes we're not healthy, but we don't even know it, right? Perhaps you've been sick before. When we found out we, had a, uh, we needed to do a parasite cleanse, we didn't even know that we needed that. So, so many times we don't know what unhealth looks like because it's just life as usual. It's how we've always been. What we find is that we typically have one of these unhealthy paradigms or proclivities. And so we're going to unveil those to you today. So without Jesus, if you don't get transformed, you'll typically fall in one of these five roles. And I've asked our media team to put up a little cartoon for each one, a little bitmoji, so that you can better understand what we're talking about. So number one. Number one way that we can be unhealthy is this. First role is the player. (laughs) I didn't ask them to use me, but... A little offended by this one. How did they know you were going to wear a white shirt today? (laughs) (laughs) In, that's what you call inconsequential prophetic. <laughs> I actually like the amount of hair they gave me. Uh, the, uh, so this is what the player is. The, the player it uses relationships to make them feel good about themselves. Relationships to them are something to conquer, something to, to grab hold of, something to, to catch. And so they are always using a person to be a trophy for them. They feel like if they have a, a good-looking boyfriend or girlfriend, then they look good themselves. And, and they go and they capture their affections, but oftentimes, as soon as they've won their affections, they're on to the next thing. And so this is very dangerous because it's really more of a recreational sport for this person. In girls, a lot of time, their, their need for worth can drive them from guy to guy, depending on who's meeting their current need. So number two, number two role is the controller. The controller. Now, we've all seen this in relationships. It can happen from man to woman. It can happen from woman to man. But basically, with this person, it's all about them. Their relationship revolves around them, and they manipulate, they coerce, they demean. There's all different types of ways they do this, but it's always a controlling to get what they want out of the relationship. Often this person uh, can think that their perspective is the right perspective and be blinded to the fact that they might have some unhealthy mindsets that need to change. All right, role number three. This one we call the human vacuum or the sucker, right? If you could hear their hearts, it would sound like this. Because they go into a relationship sucking out every bit of life and affection that they could possibly get for a person. They are absolutely needy all the time. They can never get enough. And it seems like they're drowning. And oftentimes they, they, they use things like, you won't leave me or you won't do this because they're so hungry for someone else's love. For girls, a lot of times uh, there can be a crazy amount of time needed from that person and no amount of love shown is enough. So what you should be doing right now is going, wow, those are interesting or those are cute bitmojis. You should be asking, which of these is my spouse? No, just kidding. You should be, <laughs> you should be saying, which of these is me? 
right? Because if you can label your sickness, then you can prescribe a healthy remedy to get well, right? So be asking yourself, and this can be a little challenging to go, you know what, I am a sucker. This is awful. But once we find out what we're like, then we can start a journey towards health. So here's the next one. I can really relate to this one, the dreamer, right? Dreamweaver, that's the theme song of this one, right? I love it. Floating up with balloons attached to their waist, right? That's, this person doesn't live in reality. They've watched one too many Hallmark movies. They've, uh, we were saying this in a, in a marriage conference last, last weekend we were in, or two weekends ago, we were doing a marriage conference for another, another church in Salt Lake City, and we said this, and we said they've watched one too many Hallmark movies, and the whole crowd looks, there's a Hallmark actor in the center of the room. <laughs> we made good friends with him. Uh, we're excited to watch his movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they have an unrealistic view of relationships, and there's no biblical grounding. And so this person rides a wave of emotion depending on whether their relationship feels like their understanding of the next romantic movie. Often um, a dreamer doesn't want to face reality. Um, because of disappointment or pain or even rejection. All right, the last one, the last role that we can take is what we call the, the worthless. And this person can also be an enabler. They feel worthless. They don't feel like they have any self-worth apart from a relationship. So they constantly get into relationships so that they can feel good about themselves. Their self-worth doesn't come from within. It comes from without. Now, this person, because they don't feel like they deserve a relationship, they'll often put up with stuff that they should never be willing to, to walk through. This person will enable someone else to stay in their addiction, or they'll often enable an abusive situation because they don't think that they deserve better. And a lot of times, um, I think there can be self-pity in this person or um, idolatry of the other person. So the question to ask is, which do you lean most towards? Which do, do you most lean towards, or maybe it's a combination of the two. And what we want to do now is give you the remedy. If you're going to be healthy and have a healthy relationship, it starts with a healthy heart, right? I had a heart problem as a young man, and it laid me up in bed for a couple of years. By God's grace, I got healed, and now I live a very healthy life. But it taught me a lesson. If you're going to live a healthy life, you've got to have a healthy heart. And so how can we, in the area of relationships, have a healthy heart? And it comes with these three aspects of working out your heart. So we're going to give you three different ways from Scripture that God's called us to have a healthy heart. And the first is this, very simple. You could guess it. The first one is to love God and receive his love. To love God and receive his love. Well, Robert, I thought you were going to tell me all these tricks and, and tips on how to have a, a, a relationship and, and what exactly to say and do. Can I just tell you that it starts with loving God and receiving his love for you. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 38. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Exodus 20 verse 3 says this, You shall have 
no other gods before me. Can I tell you that one of the reasons so many of us have relationships that go wrong is that we make our significant other our God. Right, so if you know me, you've heard any of my story, you know that I, I grew up a hopeless romantic. I, I grew up in a family of romantics. We go on these beach vacations, right, which are romantic enough, but then my parents had to play Beach Boy music the whole time, <laughs> right? And, and you know the Beach Boys, they made millions of dollars just exploiting romance. And uh, so, so even, even their fun songs, you know, ba 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 and you think, oh, that's so fun. And then it's like, went to a dance, looking for romance, saw Barbara Ann, and I thought I'd take a chance. You know, it's, it's all about love, right? And then I'd be on the beach, and, and, and we'd be hearing, the girls on the beach are all within reach. If you know what to do, come on. How about, how about this? How about this? Do you love me? Do you surfer girl? I do, but I don't surf. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. Thank you. Okay, so worship music was always playing in my house. It was just the wrong kind of worship music. It was worshiping romantic love. And, and, and this is what so many of us, if you really could cut down deep into our heart, we believe the highest goal of life is to be in love. It's to have a romantic relationship. And can I tell you that there's an even higher goal? Yeah. And that's to love the Lord yeah. with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So many of us spend our life, and, and I was totally guilty of this, seeking first a relationship. But the Bible says seek first him and his kingdom, and then what? And then all these things will be added to us. Some of us wonder why, why we don't have a match made in heaven, why we don't have a healthy relationship. It's because we haven't been seeking God first. It's totally counterintuitive. The, the greatest way to have a healthy relationship is not to seek a healthy relationship, but to seek God first. And then he says, all other things will be added to you. For some of us, God in his mercy is holding out on us until we put him first. So we don't make a person our idol and destroy them and ourselves. Amen. Go ahead. That's good. Well, maybe some of you are asking, okay, so I, I want to love God first. How, how do I get there? What's something I do to get there? And whether you come from a healthy family or an unhealthy family, we all need revelation of God's love. Amen. We need a spirit of revelation and understanding of the love of God so we can fall more in love with who he is. In Ephesians 1.17, Paul is talking and he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him more. Paul was actually contending for a church that they would have a spirit of revelation so they could know God more and love God more. And we need that. We need that. Whether you've been walking with God for one day or for years, we need more and more understanding of God's love so we can put, continually put him first in our lives. There's always more of the love of God for us in our journey. I remember um, when 
I was in the training school um, in 1998. I was sitting in my chair, and it was the first day of class, and I was ready to um, fall more in love with Jesus. And as I was sitting there, they played a video, and the video was um, called The Father Heart of God by John Dawson. And as John was talking, he, he was saying these words, and it went like this. He, he said, you know, your parents have been given to you to care for you and to, to love you and hopefully train you in, in the ways of the kingdom, but ultimately, you belong to God. You're his. And it was like those words became 4D to my heart. All of a sudden, the life that they held were impacting the depths of my heart and changing my mindset. And I was blown away at how much God loved me and how much I truly was his. We need revelation to keep renewing our minds and to keep falling more in love with Jesus. You know, sometimes we'll cry out for more revelation. And I want to encourage you, if you're not asking for that, you need to ask God. Ask God to show you how much he loves you. Ask God for a spirit of revelation. Sometimes we feel a block in, in our journey there, or sometimes we get understanding, and then we need more, and we feel a block for the more. And I just want to submit to you two ways that at times we can have blocks in our life from receiving more revelation of his love. And one, you know, sometimes... It could be a demonic block in our heart where there's demonic activity because of the choices we made. So, for example, if you're someone that you say, yeah, I watch rated movies all the time on the weekends. If those rated R movies have a lot of sexual content in them or violent content, that is actually opening a, a door to the enemy for demonic activity to come in and traffic in your heart. And that can be a block sometimes to receiving more of the love of God. And all we need to simply do is stop and ask for God's forgiveness for watching those things and repent of that activity in your life and then allow for the love of God to come fill its place. Another way that there could be a block is just unhealthy patterns in our life. And, you know, sometimes... Maybe if you're in a, a needy season where you're saying, God, I really feel needy. I need more of your love. We're quick to, to um, find ourselves in patterns that we do. Maybe a pattern of yours is when you feel needy, you get on your phone and you start scrolling through Facebook and look at, looking at what everyone else is doing to, to fill a need in your heart that you're feeling in the moment. Or maybe you are quick to pick up the phone and call a friend to make your heart feel better. Whatever your unhealthy pattern is to, to run to instead of getting before God and saying, God, would you fill me with a revelation of your love? I just want to encourage you today that if that's a block, get before God and say, okay, I'm going to give this a chance. I'm going to let God speak love in the place that I feel so needy. So you were, you were made with this need for love. It was put there by God, but a person can never fully meet that need. A person can never fully meet it. So Steph and I have an, a, a wonderful, an amazing marriage. I feel so fulfilled in our marriage. I feel known. I feel valued. She honors me. She takes care of me. But can I just tell you, it's not enough. It's not enough. And I think some people actually think, if my spouse just loved me more, then I'd be happy. 
Can I just tell you with the most amazing spouse and the most amazing marriage, I'm still needy. And so will you be too. Your spouse can never give you all the love you need because that's not how you were designed. I wonder how many divorces take place because people were trying to get from their spouse what they can only get from God. And so we've got to receive God's love. So let me just tell you, I can have the most wonderful day with Steph. I can have the most wonderful date with Steph one night, and the next morning I wake up and I still am needy. And so do you know what I do? Let me just give you a practical. I ask God for his love. And one specific way I do it is I say, God, tell me what you love about me. So I was doing this Saturday. Steph and I had a great weekend together, but I still wake up needy. You know why? Because I need God's love. So as I spend time with the Lord, I say, God, what do you love about me? Because I need to hear my father's affection. I need to hear his voice speaking over me. Do you know he spoke some new things this week? I've been doing this for years. He said some things over me this weekend, yesterday, that I had never heard him speak to me, and it filled my heart. You need to hear God speaking over you. I encourage you to ask him daily, God, let me feel your love, but God, would you also speak over me your love? Yesterday morning, as I was sitting in my normal spot, spending time with the Lord, our other dog who's still with us, um, was sitting at my feet, all curled up, and all of a sudden, from across the house, I heard Robert's voice, and so did my dog, Brady. And I knew that because his tail started wagging as soon as he heard his voice. He oh, loves, dog. Yes, he loves you. Um, but I was thinking how funny that was, and then I was thinking... I think we're kind of like that with God, the Father. Like when we hear him speak, our little, not that we have tails, but our heart wags. Um, And I think there's something that just gets so excited when we hear the voice of our Father. I don't think, I know. And um, in Psalm 139, 17, it says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. God has so many thoughts. Are they precious to you? Are God's thoughts about you precious to you? I want to encourage you to ask God, God, what are the thoughts that you have about me? I just know my my own life, God's thoughts are precious to me, and I want to know all of them. I remember years ago when he spoke something about who I was in my time with him, I was so blown away, and it was like a mindset shift for me. It actually changed my mindset, and therefore, eventually, my actions followed suit. So husbands, you want to give your wife the gift daily before you even get into your routine Ask God what he loves about you because you'll go into the day full of love. And when you're full of love, you have love to give away. Okay, if you're dating in a relationship, you want to have a healthy dating relationship, start the day by asking God what he loves about you. Then you won't go into your dating relationship that day as the human vacuum trying to suck the life out of the other person, getting what you need, right? Singles, you want to be healthy and be prepared for a relationship then go in by already knowing what God's speaking over you. And you start from a place of security, not insecurity. Number two, number two, how do we exercise our heart to have a healthy heart for relationships? Number two is this, you've gotta love yourself. 
you got to love yourself. And you're thinking, oh no, pastor, now you're getting into like mumbo jumbo, therapeutic culture, reader's digest. No, I'm actually talking right out of the Bible because the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now what's the Bible saying? It's saying if you don't love yourself, you're not going to treat your neighbor very well. But we need to love ourselves. We need to love ourselves. And so how do we do that? Because we all are faced with the reality of our weaknesses, our blemishes, our faults. Every day we look in the mirror and go, gosh, I wish I could change that. Man, bummer, another pimple, right? There's always something. We look at our, our bodies and go, golly, you know, you're growing in all the wrong places. And we go to work and, and we make mistakes. We're at school and, and, and we don't get the grades we, we want. And then People say all kinds of hurtful things to us. And so how do we love ourselves? It's actually more common to dislike yourself. How do you love yourself? You've got to understand your true identity. You've got to understand your true identity. And so we don't get that from looking into a mirror. We get that from looking into God's word. God's word gives us our true identity. I've been doing this for 20 years. And I still find that I need to do it more and more. Instead of looking at a mirror constantly, I look at what the Bible says about me. But who does God say that I am? Let's look at that right now. On our website, we have this as one of the resources in the resource tab. I'd encourage you to go there. In the FaceTime uh, packet, which is, teaches you how to spend time with God, we have this. And it's a who I am in Christ sheet. I want you to read these to me. We're just going to read the right column, okay? So I want you to read these out loud with me. It says, I am God's child. As a disciple, I'm a friend of Jesus Christ. I've been justified, declared righteous. I am united with the Lord. Can you say it more loud and more declarative? And I am one with him in spirit. I've been bought with a price, and I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. That's good. I say these things all the time, and as I say them, you're like, wait, he's going off script. No, no. As I say them, I feel God's presence, and I feel a holy and heavenly confidence rising up in me. And when I see these things, I go, ooh, I love that. I love that I'm actually chosen by God. I love that I'm his child. I love that I'm forgiven. I love that I'm justified, and I start to love myself, and I start feeling that worth who I really am instead of having to look for someone else to ascribe worth on me. Because what happens is if your spouse is having a bad day, then you're having a bad day. Your girlfriend's having a bad day, then you're having a bad day. You don't have a girlfriend, then you're really having a bad day. But what God says over you never changes. And it's who you are, no matter how bad the day is. And that builds me up. What do you got to say about Amen. that? Okay, so I believe one of the greatest ways that we can also love ourselves is to allow our character to be refined. Oh. Okay, so not very fun. 
but I believe if we truly love ourselves, we need to let God refine our character. When I say character, I mean our disposition, our temperament, our temper, our mentality, our makeup, not our eyeliner, but our makeup, how we're made. Um, and I want to mention uh, Proverbs 31. It says, a wife of noble character who can find two things one her character is that of nobility she wasn't born with that kind of character i believe that she allowed god to let her character be refined into a godly character into godly temperament godly disposition godly mentality kingdom mentalities who can find i think very clearly there we're seeing not everyone wants their character to be refined and dealt with. And so women, we want to be women that are saying, God, would you refine my character? Um, I, I believe it's a way that we truly can love ourselves by letting God get in there and refine our character into that of a noble character. Um, and in the process I believe that we will understand our greater worth. I believe um, when it says a wife, a wife of noble, noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies and lacks nothing of value. I believe in that process that she discovered her great worth. And um, that's how we want to be. We want to discover our great worth as, as God refines our character. You know, we've made our worth into a variable in our lives. And I mean that by often we find ourselves feeling worth or valuable when we have a good income or when we have friends that really matter or um, whether someone's pursuing us, whether we're in a dating relationship or um, whether our voice is being heard and acceptance and our value is not a variable. It's always the same. You are dearly loved and made in the image of God. Your value is always the same. But I do believe that if we allow God to refine our character, we will fall more in love with who we are and find our great worth. Am I on? There we go. Exercise number three. So the first one is loving God and receiving his love. The second one is loving others. The third is this, or the, the second is loving ourselves. The third is loving others. Loving others. And scripture tells us what love really is. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is what love really is. It says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. I bet if you've been to a Christian wedding, you've heard that scripture read. But yet, so oftentimes in our mind, when we think of romantic love, we think of something different. Oftentimes when people are saying, I love you, to a, a girlfriend, or I love you, to the spouse, what they're saying is, I crave you. I, I, I'm hungry for you. I'm lusting after you. Isn't that what is happening in movies? Isn't that what we see on TV? It's someone saying, I, I have to have you. 
right? I, I think about the movie Tangled. Anyone see the Disney movie Tangled? Give me a little wave out there. Great movie. It's about Rapunzel, right? And the, Rapunzel's the one with the super, super, super long hair. And, you know, in Disney, she, like, uses it as a whip and stuff. It's pretty cool. And, uh, but in the, in the movie Tangled, her, her mother, who's actually not her mother, she's like a witch who's captured her, but she tells Rapunzel that she loves her. But doesn't, she doesn't really love her. What she's saying is, I need you, I crave for you, because she uses Rapunzel for her long hair, which has healing power to keep her young. So oftentimes when we say we love you to someone, it's, I have to have you. I have to, what you make me feel, how you make me feel is, is I can't live without. And that's what we're saying. And that's actually not what love is. The Bible gives us something so different. I love Eugene, entangled. Eugene's awesome. Okay, Eugene's the guy that comes along and at the end, he's trying to, to save Rapunzel from wicked mother and she stabs him. And so Eugene could could use Rapunzel's hair to heal himself. Like, he needs Rapunzel. But instead, he does something different, and I want to show you. Oh, I'm so sorry. Everything is going to be okay, though. No, Rapunzel. I promise you have to trust me. No. Come on, just breathe. I can't let you do this. And I can't let you die. But if you do this, then you... We'll die. Hey, it's gonna be all right. Rapunzel, wait. point right you see the difference between I love you which is I crave you I need you and if I don't have you I get really wicked (laughs) and the difference between sacrificial love giving away your life being willing to lay down your life so someone else can live that is what true love is it's giving away your life also shows you that you that a pet iguana is helpful. <laughs> this is uh, what I saw a Bible teacher do that I think is a wonderful practical for us to, to look at our lives and say, are we growing in love? They take 1 Corinthians 13 and remove the word love, and in its place, you say your name. And, and can I with authenticity, with sincerity. Can I say that this is who I am? Robert is patient. Robert is kind. Robert does not envy. Robert does not boast. 
When I come into my relationship with Stephanie, Robert is not proud. Robert does not dishonor others. Robert is not self-seeking. You see, so much of love and in popular romantic culture, it's all about self. Well, you make me feel. But this says, love is not self-seeking. Robert is not self-seeking. Robert is not easily angry. Robert keeps no records of wrongs. Robert does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Robert always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I'm so convicted. This is a great practical. I encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and say, can I, I say this about myself? Can I say this about myself just with, with my family? Can I say this about myself at school? Can I say this about myself in my workplace? Can I say this about myself in my dating relationship? Can I say this about myself in my marriage? You see, so many times we come to, to our relationships with this primary thought, I want, when our primary thought should be, I want to be for you. You see the difference? I, I need instead of I need to be. That's what love truly is. That's what love truly is. It's, it's actually giving your life, not taking something from someone. Amen. Um, just a, a practical on this. If you're saying, you know, I really do want to move forward in learning to love others. I want to encourage you to learn to serve. It's so simple, and sometimes we make it so complicated. Learn to serve people. You know, um, so much of relationships or marriage is serving the other person. And if this is a weakness of yours, I want to encourage you to start learning to serve. Jesus came to serve people. He actually laid down his life for people, and we want to be like Jesus. We love you, and we want you to have the most wonderful relationships. We're so thankful for a church where there are wonderful marriages, and there are people that are, are dating rightly, but I believe that God wants to take us all to the next level. He wants to give us all even more healthy hearts. But it starts first and foremost by looking at him, by falling madly in love with him, and by saying, Lord, change me into the person you created me to be. Would you just pray with me? Everyone just close your eyes right now. You know, we'll, we'll never have the relationships that we're called to have unless Jesus Christ has come in to be your Lord and Savior. Unless you've given him your life. Jesus showed the ultimate selfless love by going to the cross and dying for us. And when he did that, he paid the price. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, that's why Jesus died, because we all had sin in our life. But the gift of God is eternal life. When he rose from the dead, he gave us an opportunity to receive him as our Lord and Savior and to bring us into a relationship with God. And if you've never done that before, if you say, you know, pastor, I'm not sure that Jesus is living in me. And so you're talking about love and it's all about giving your life away. And I always thought love was about getting something from someone. You know, you'll, you'll never be able to, to give love away if you don't have Jesus in your heart. Today, I just want to pray with those who, who want to give their life to Jesus. So today, if you're saying, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure that my sins are forgiven. I'm not hundred percent sure that I, I, I've given my life to God. I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven when I die. I want to just 
lead you in a simple prayer right now. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And if that's your heart today, I just want you to pray this right after me. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. Come into my heart. Make me new. And I'll follow you forever. And I just want to pray right now for those of you that are praying that. I want every eye closed. But if you're praying that today, you're saying, hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Or maybe you said, you know, I prayed that because I'm coming back to Jesus today. Would you just all over the room just raise your hand right now? Just wave at me. Thank you so much. Who else? Just boldly raise your hand. Thank you so much. Who else? Just wave at me real quick. Just wave at me all over this room. Who else? Just look up at me real quick. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. I see you too. Who else? Just wave at me real quick. Awesome. Awesome. Father, I thank you for these that are giving their life to you today. I thank you that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed their sin from them. And I thank you that you're filling them with your spirit right now. We celebrate their forgiveness, their new life right now. Would you just stand up, church? Could I have some leaders come forward right now?